Imagine consuming 31 real whole fruits and vegetables every day. More nutrients from fruits and veggies can help our bodies with energy levels, strengthening our immune system, and so much more. Balance of Nature has taken 31 real fruits and veggies and powdered them into capsules locking in maximum nutrition. Try Balance of Nature with 35% off any Frisk preferred order, plus free shipping with promo code YES. Just go to balanceofnature.com and enter promo code YES to get 35% off. Give your body the natural boost it needs with Balance of Nature. Go to balanceofnature.com, promo code YES for 35% off. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Welcome to High Stakes, episode 33. I'm your host, Neil Orfield. You can find me on Twitter at PlayerQDFS. High Stakes is produced by Mike Lawrence. You can find him on Twitter at AwesomeYo. And our guest today is a bit of a renaissance man. He's a poker player, a political science, former political science professor, a DFS grinder, cash games, small field GPPs, and a content creator and, he, and a father. Uh, Alex Santi is here with us. He is Alex Santi on Twitter. D beat Alex on DraftKings and Alex Santi 83 on FanDuel. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Neil. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I've been starting these interviews just recently on Mike's idea uh, to asking about your favorite sports team and or athletes. I say you've got that uh, Chicago White Sox hat on. I know you live in Chicago, so I'm guessing that you are uh, a Chicago sports fan. But tell me a little bit about your fandom for any particular athletes or teams. Um, I, I mean, so I started with baseball. Baseball was my first love. Um, my father is Puerto Rican. And if you're Puerto Rican and in America, you're a big sports, you're a big baseball fan. So uh, he was a big Cubs fan, but the White Sox were a lot more exciting. Also, my father took me to more Sox games when I was a kid um, because it was more family friendly. Wrigley Field is not a very family friendly place to go. So when I was about five or six, we went to Comiskey and uh, then the new Comiskey came up. Um, so I became a Sox fan for that reason. And then I kind of like both both uh, baseball teams for a while. Football and then Bulls. I mean, obviously, I grew up with Jordan, uh, huge Bulls fan. The Blackhawks were excellent in the early 90s with Ronick and Chelios and Larmer and Steve Smith and Eddie Belfour. You know, so I was really into them, too. Football was a little different. So Bears games are only on. They're always on at noon. And uh, I could never watch them because my family went to church every Sunday. And then we had like luncheons after church. Um, so, but I'd watch the afternoon football games and I got really into the 49ers um, because it was, this was just when the torch was handed over to Steve Young when I got into football. So I was about 11 when I got into football. Um, and I loved Steve Young. Steve Young is one of the most dynamic players of any sport that I can really remember. I mean, it could have been just because I was 11 or 12, but I see the highlights today and I'm like, Holy God, this fucker was all over the yeah. place. You know, I mean, the guy was a, he was all, he was every bit of the playmaker is Brett Favre without the mistakes. 
Yeah, so I, I remember Steve Young a bit, but I, I should probably go back and watch some highlights because I don't really remember Steve Young. So, so do you remain a 49ers fan to this day? Yeah, um, I share it. We had this conversation a while ago, I think, before we started on the Contrary Show. I'm also a Packers fan because my wife is from Green Bay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so we kind of – she took on she took on the Bulls and I took on the Packers. Uh, that okay. was kind of our trade. That seems like a fair trade. Okay. Yeah, it was a uh, fair trade. And you also, uh, you grew up in Chicago. You also still live in near Chicago, right? I'm still in Chicago proper. I've been in Chicago proper my entire life. So wow, I'm not okay. one of these people who's from the suburbs saying they're from Chicago. <laughs> You're from Chicago. Okay. That's, uh, so so I take it you don't like when people say they're from Chicago and they're from the suburbs. I don't dislike it, but I'm like, eh, yeah. not really, you know. I hear that. I hear that. It's like me. I said I was, I'm from the Twin Cities and I, I live in St. Paul now. I lived in Minneapolis prior to this, but I grew up in the suburbs. I still said I, you know, if I'm not in Minnesota, I'm going to tell people I'm from the Twin Cities because they don't know anything about Burnsville, Minnesota. They don't know what that means. <laughs> and so, so it uh, just, it's kind of a short form. Uh, we, we, did, we talked about before it. the show, you're going to be uh, swiveling in your chair a little bit. We, uh, you have this in common with producer Mike. Producer Mike fell up a couple stairs uh, a few weeks back. He's got a sprained shoulder. You sprained your knee on some ice. How are yes. you? How are you feeling today? Uh, I'm feeling a lot better. I had a grade two tear, so it was like a slight tear in the actual like MCL. Ooh. And now my last MRI came back good. It's just very tender, and I get stiff. So I'm constantly doing this yep, when yep. I'm at my chair, when I'm at my desk, and I'm kicking my leg around. Yeah, for audio stiff. listeners, he's just swiveling in his chair a little bit. I hadn't even noticed before you mentioned it, so uh, not not too pronounced or anything. Um, well, let's jump in and talk about your background a little bit. Uh, so standard questions that I ask every guest, what kind of background do you have in statistics? If any, do you have any formal or informal training in statistics? I have very limited training in statistics. I mean, when I was a kid, I was really into baseball cards. Um, and that got me into sports encyclopedias, right? Like the sporting news had them for every year for about five or six years where like for each sport, you could get all the stats for each team and where the rosters were and past records. And I got really into that. So that was like my basic kind of intro to statistics. Um, I didn't get into advanced statistics until I read baseball between the numbers. Um, that was maybe I was still in law school. So that had to have been like 2009 or 2010 when I started getting into some advanced stats for baseball. And then uh, my PhD program, I took research class um, research and political science, and that was like an all statistics class of uh, how to like the theory and practice of using data. You know, okay, yeah, like, yeah. And uh, I oh, I read the signal and the noise too. So I didn't really have a statistics background, but taking that class with what I had already learned from signal and noise, um, I kind of learned how to not use garbage data for lack of better words. Um, Which, and then, I mean, it's not really a software data thing, but um, in undergrad, we had to take an Excel class. It was like required that we take this quantitative reasoning class that was all Excel and how to, how to use Excel. Okay. So I got, I got really into that class. You know, again, I wasn't really a math guy. I've always been more of a humanities guy, but I really got into that class because it was like a fun puzzle. And you use it all the time. I mean, this, these are all skills. So like no, no really advanced formal training in statistics or computer programming, but it sounds like you have, I mean, still you've done a good amount of reading about the subjects and you've taken some courses. So you're not like a complete novice either. I'm not, uh, I'm just, uh, you know, again, I'm, it's interesting because yeah, I'm so much more of a humanities guy when you look through my history and academic academia and whatnot. Um, 
oh, we got a big ass house that's paid for by stats, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> using right. numbers and Excel and uh, how to look at projections and projected ownership and, you know, solve a puzzle with them. Right. It's kind of um, ironic. So you, you say that it's paid for by stats. So let, let's talk about your professional background a little bit. Uh, do you, I mean, do, do you do DFS full-time? So I guess we'll start with, do you have any like full-time job right now outside of DFS poker or, uh, or, or is that your primary source of income? And what else have you done since you graduated college? Um, I mean, I can go through everything since I've graduated college. Currently, DFS and poker are my primary incomes. I teach one class. Um, I teach one political science class currently that doesn't pay me shit. But it's uh it's deferred my student loans and I'm trying to work up the credits to get them forgiven. because uh, I mean I don't have much in student loans for the educate especially for the education that I had, but I just don't want to pay that shit. Like if I don't have to, I put in so many years of public service. You know, I mean yeah. full time and part time, it's been this is my thirteenth year of public service. And I just feel like I shouldn't have to pay for that shit because I've I put in so much service to the community. Well, um, so so tell me about that, uh your your public service. Well, just teaching. Oh, okay, okay. Um, teaching at the university level for shit money. Teaching, you know, in city colleges for shit money. Um, I chose not to be a lawyer because I wanted to have a more fulfilling career in education. I really enjoy the research. I really enjoy the students. I really enjoy teaching. Um, I really enjoy learning. And I felt that as a lawyer, especially, you know, graduating law school back in 2010, we we're still at the still at the tail end of a crash in that 2008 where yep. it was very hard to get a job in a firm. If you were, you know, 25, 26, 28 years old, um, it was very hard uh, because the only people who were getting hired were the people who were the 45, 50 year olds with 20 years experience who were laid off a couple of years beforehand. Right. Um, so yeah, that's think- how I got into teaching. You and I are, I can see on your, your Twitter that we are the same age or you, you may, did you just turn 40? I just turned 40. You're a little January. bit older than I am. I'm turning 40 this summer. Uh, so so I'm aware. We were about the same age, uh, pretty similar backgrounds yeah. in some ways. But so, so you must have graduated college in 2005, I would guess. 2006. I was on a five-year plan. Okay. Uh, All right. I started same. playing poker. Uh, I was in a theater conservatory to start wow. my okay. college career. And then about halfway through my second year, um, the Iraq invasion happened. And I was like, I got very active in politics out of nowhere. Um, and I decided, fuck this. I don't want to, you know, write plays. I want to go and save the world, you know, so yeah, that's right. political science. Nice. Okay. So you, so you graduate the poli sci degree in 2006. 2006. Yes. And then within like a year or two, it sounds like you must've been in law school. I was in law school right away. Um, okay. I went straight to pre-law and uh, went straight to law school right away. Nice. Okay. And then, so you graduated law school 2009, 10, 2010. I was on a four-year plan on that one. Oh, right. right. Cause you have a, you have a dual degree with law school. Yeah. Yeah. I did, I did a master's as well and I was playing poker. So that which just took up a lot of time, especially late night hours. Um, so it was very hard for me to, I did the first year full time and I broke down within three weeks. I called my uncle. I remember one more one morning at like six a.m. I had been reading all night long for a, a torts class, mm. and I was crying. I was like, "I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't want to do it anymore." And you know, he told me, "You know, you just have to make a schedule. And if you make a schedule for your work time, your study time, your you know 
reserve one or two hours a week to go out with friends or something like you know you can't do much um and what's funny is i i wear a lot of hats these days that's some of the best advice that anyone ever gave me no one taught me how to manage time people taught me how to manage money people taught me how to manage you know uh relationships but no one told me how to manage time at all until then in, in, until law school until law school until yeah my uncle gave me some good advice uh, yeah. you know like literally taking a calendar out this is before we had our you know we had our calendars on our phones but literally like blocking it out like the day-by-day calendars like those ledgers um and i would block out everything for weeks you know sometimes wow. for like two three weeks at a time you were, you were a serious student. I mean, I, I was uh, relatively like during one L year of law school in particular, like relative to the rest of my life, I was a very serious student, but I was never on that level of like really planning everything out ahead of time, which uh, probably bit me in the ass. I didn't, was not particularly successful in one L year of law school. So probably I needed is, to be a little bit more scheduled. One L is fucking tough. It is. One L is, is very, very tough. You're taking, you know, four, 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 you know, and then, uh, it's like hundreds of pages on a nightly basis. Like you finish 400 pages of something else. There's 200 pages of something else you're behind on. Yeah. Like I was really rough. I, I'm a very, very slow reader. So for me, it was like, I was reading, I was working a lot, but like still never finished the homework because it was just too much stuff. I couldn't read as yeah. much as they wanted us to. So yeah, uh, I do not regret not being a part of the law anymore. I take it. You don't uh, really use your legal degree outside of, I mean, yeah. As a professor, you're not really using your your legal degree. Do you use it for anything else? I don't use it for anything. Um, I mean, I use a lot of the skills that I learned yeah. at, uh, teaching because I Absolutely. teach. I teach. It's an intro to American government. I basically turn it into a constitution class <laughs> where okay. we uh, we learn about the constitution for the first half up to midterms, and then the second half of the term we study Supreme Court cases. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so. That we've got through so you graduated 2010 with that four-year degree what, what what's next what what have you been doing since then i mean you've been uh, a professor you've been teaching, teaching, teaching classes for a while yeah i was teaching um 20 i had taken a couple of years off from playing poker so i went broke uh this was i think i went broke in like 2009 and i took a couple of years off from playing poker and then i got a little bit of money in my pocket again so i was like oh i'll play a little bit uh and I didn't do badly. I didn't do great, but I didn't do badly. And uh, the site that I was playing on, I don't even want to mention their name because I don't want to give them publicity. Um, <laughs> so they're still around? I don't know. But the, okay. the CEO at the time ran off with a bunch of money. Okay. And it was to the point where it got to where people were paying 10 cents on the dollar on 2 plus 2 Marketplace for the funds. And I was able to sell mine for like, I, I think I had like, $5,000 and I sold it for like $1,100. Wow. Like it was just impossible to get the money off the site. Um, so I left a really bad taste in my mouth, but I was doing that for a little while. And for a, for a short time, I was like, maybe I can do this professionally again. Um, coincidentally, around that time, I saw the ad for FanDuel um, in 2013 starting to pop up. And I got curious about that. And again, that wasn't really professional. I was just goofing around and we'll probably talk about that later. Yeah, but uh, professionally, I was just—I was really into teaching. I wanted to work my way up and maybe become a department head someday. Um, but like, I was like, I will do cheap work to build a resume. I was just one of those, you know. Uh, it's funny. That's just how I am. It's how I got through law school. It's how I um, deal with DFS and and how I've always dealt with poker. I I will grind out the small tough stuff to build up slowly 
and I will not be defeated along the way. You know? Yeah. It's just, that's just how I am. You're just a grinder. I am. Yeah. You got, you got that grind set as they say. <laughs> I don't know uh, that term. I like a grind set. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Sometimes during Christmas, something magical happens. Hey, Cricket customers. The Max with Ads plan is included with the Cricket $60 Unlimited plan at no additional cost. And this holiday season, Max is the one to watch when you're feeling festive. Son of a nutcracker! Cozy up to all the holiday classics, like Elf, 8-Bit Christmas, and the Harry Potter 8 Film Collection. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. Phone plan streams and standard definition programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. So then, all right. So, so you've been playing poker, you've been teaching and you've been playing DFS. Uh, and that's been primarily how you've been making your income for the past like 10 years. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I think I started back with the DF DFS started really making me money in 2015. Uh, poker. I stopped again. I started again in 2020. Um, but DFS cash and teaching, that was my income for probably five years wow and and yeah, yeah so i guess you, you sort of answer this a little bit but uh so you started getting involved in dfs in 2013 or so uh and, and what drew you into dfs i was not very good at seasonal fantasy but i enjoyed playing it because it was like fun to do with your friends and you know stuff like that but i would always just do really badly at it and i always thought something that i was really good at was following the news um mm. and through following the news, I noticed I could get small edges along the way. I just was, I just suck at drafting. I don't know how to draft any of these <laughs> fucking leagues, man. <laughs> I don't know. These like it's full season. Oh, it's really tough. I yeah. just don't know how to draft. So uh, I was like, if I could just like follow the news and kind of plug in cheap pieces here and there and then use my stars elsewhere, like I feel like I could be a really good fantasy player. And there was nothing out there. You know, for about 10 years, I would just constantly lose at fantasy leagues. And uh, I saw that I came along. I was like, I feel like this is what I've been waiting for my entire life. It's pretty great, right? It is. It, it's, it, it's it took me a bit to really buy into DFS, like at first, because I, cause I was, I, I really enjoyed season long. I was very serious about it. Uh, and I was, you know, somewhat successful at it, I would say. Uh, but I was like, why do I want to play this game? That just seems so much more stressful. Like, there's so much less skill involved at the time is what I thought. And, you know, <laughs> over time, of course, I got sucked in just like the rest and learned over time that actually there's a lot of skill involved, even if there is also a lot of luck. Uh, so were you a winning DFS player right away? No. Um, 2013, I did a little baseball and I didn't understand it. <laughs> and I just kept playing though because it was fun to, you know, like grind out some tournaments on the weekends or whatever. Um, but I just didn't understand. That was something where like seasonal made a lot more sense to me with baseball. Um, okay. so I, I couldn't really wrap my head around it. Then football started and I did all right. Um, uh, I discovered the head to heads about that was more than 2014, but 2013, I didn't make any money. Um, then 2014, I started doing baseball again and, um, I started using Excel 
either had the background of like loving statistics and always wanting to know like how to project a guy's future. I didn't really know how to do it, but I just figured I could take, you know, I could take data that we already had and try to project with it. And did I think what I was doing was genius? Absolutely not. I knew it was better than nothing. And that was, that was probably kind of my big light bulb that, you know, if I take myself, if I remove myself from the equation, the equation starts to make a lot more sense. Um, so you were creating your own projections. I was creating my own projections. Yes. Okay. Well, that that comes up to uh, a next set of questions that I'm asking. But but first, uh, just tell me a little bit about your DFS background, just in terms of like which sport or sports do you play? Which sport or sports do you think you have the biggest edge in in DFS? So baseball became one that made a lot more sense to me, especially when Derek Carr had the bat. Um, because I could just plug in. I mean, number one, it's cash in every sport. Um, I, I'll put in at least $500 a night on just about any sport that I can have projections on. If I can click a button, you know, if I can click a button to optimize for me and I have the time to click, 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 I'll do all the clicking. Okay. Um, with tournaments, I definitely, baseball makes more sense in my head these days you know it took me a while for for baseball to make sense on a tournament edge uh but i feel like i have a big edge because i can analyze pitchers very well interesting um, okay i think i can project pitchers just as well as or just as well as um a great projection model can i can't project hitters at all i have no idea how to do it so i completely lean on the bat interesting um, yeah and then NBA cash is probably my best cash game, even though I don't really know the NBA very well. I covered the I covered the Bulls for a couple of years with the SB Nation, um, and I followed the league very closely. But I hadn't covered the league at all for about seven years before I started playing NBA DFS cash, and uh, I found that to be the easiest because it's literally just click a button. We had no late swap for a little while there. Um, I could just click a button and let it ride. And then once the late swap, as the late swap disappeared, I kept having kids. <laughs> and it became more difficult to play NBA DFS. Right. Wait, so you mean as late swap appeared, right? As late swap and came it in. Reappeared. Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was there for a while and then it disappeared and then it was back. And right, right. I can't do this. Yep. Um, all right. Yeah, I want to talk more about cash a little bit. Actually, let's just talk about cash a little bit right now. So let's talk NBA first. You said that you when you were playing NBA, it was basically just kick, clicking a button where you just playing the optimal. Pretty much. I think sometimes I would, sh- I would switch it up uh, for, and this is something I, I do for baseball too. Um, I'll switch up my lineup for three mans and five mans. If two lineups are about the same and they're differentiated by one or two players, but the second lineup has more upside, I'll put that in three and five mans. Yep. Um, and then I'll put the optimal in my head-to-heads. And I don't play 50-50s. Um, I find they're kind of dumb. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't wrapped my head around the genius of 50-50s. I think it's just kind of dumb to not like spread your spread your investment across like a hundred different people um, that right. play like all or nothing into uh, one contest. And then the double ups, I hate the rake. The rake is just way too much. I don't understand that. Wait, so so you don't play 50-50s, meaning so I think of a 50-50 as being like it can be a hundred people in a contest, 50 people make back a little bit less than what they paid in. 50 people don't make back any money. That's a 50, mm-hmm. 50 ahead to head is just you versus one other player. It's the same yes. concept, except you're playing against just one other person. So you yeah. don't play head to heads because you don't like the variance of playing one, 
other players? Do you, I, you, I prefer the head-to-heads because oh, I, can play, I can play 100 contests against 100 different people I see. instead of the 50-50s where you're just scattering it or, you know, putting okay. $100 into, you know, to try to defeat 49 people, you know. I do it when I need the volume. If I'm just not getting the head-to-head volume, I'll play the 50-50s because it, at least it's a good rake. The double-ups, on the other hand, like, the rake is astronomical compared yeah. to it. It's like an extra percent or like what, an extra one and a half percent or something like that. It's I haven't checked in a while because I don't play, but so like I so for it is a while, but for people who are not familiar, so double ups, it would be the same kind of concept. Uh hundred people in the contest and then like forty three people. So less than half of people will double their money. Uh yeah. then that's where that's where the rate comes in. I don't know if it's forty three, would it be forty? I don't know. I think it's forty five. Okay, forty five. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know either because I don't really even play them anymore. But when I saw, okay. I mean, Roto Grinders, we have this little uh, extension where it tells you the rake and the rake on a contest, and it comes out to like twelve something percent sometimes. Okay. Sometimes it's as high as like twelve point eight percent. Right. Um, and it's hard to beat that kind of edge, especially in a cash game where like your goal is to play as close to like the the lineups that most people are playing as as uh, as you can in general. I guess exactly. that, I feel like it's difficulty. It's taking on difficulty for difficulty's sake. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So then for MLB, how do you set your, how, how do you like choose? Actually, no, let me, let me take a step back. What percentage of your lineups are in, like, how do you split up the different contest types? Like cash, like uh 50, 50 slash double up type contest versus three mans and five mans versus larger. I mean, do, do you play any very large field GPPs? I will, if I'm playing, um, I mean, I, I play at least $500 a night. So okay. let's say I'm playing $1,000. I'm probably plunking um, $500 into head-to-heads, maybe one or $200 into three-mans and five-mans, and then the rest of that, for the most part, in 100-man contests. And then, okay. then I will plunk in, like, whatever, like, into the $55 slam on... FanDuel, you know, like as a small percentage of what I'm playing in the night, I'll plunk that single lineup in there. Um, so okay. that's how I play this. I mean, if you want to play, say I play the big contest, yes, I do show up, but I'm not, I'm not um, engineering my lineups directly for those contests. I'm just kind of plunking them in there just in case. Okay. Yeah. S- same thing that I do. Like if I, if I make a lineup, a cash game lineup, which I haven't done in years, but if I were to, I would still probably enter it into a GPP just like, eh, what if this is the nuts? I might as well have it somewhere else where I can make some serious money. Um, okay. So you play primarily more than, more than half of your bankroll is being played in cash games. Very much so. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with the, you don't play double ups. You just play head to heads. Let's start with how you create your head to head lineup. So for let's talk about MLB because you're you're still playing. Mm-hmm. I assume you're still going to be playing MLB seriously. Are you using like the the optimal uh, from your from from the batter from wherever you get your projection? Are you just playing the optimal, or is, is more going into it than that? Like, or is it? I mean, you say that you are great at projecting pitchers. I imagine that plays a role. How how do you go about determining what kind of lineup you want to make for an MLB head to head? I will check the optimals. Um... And then I'll make a decision whether or not to lock in the pitcher from my model or to use what the optimizer says. It's usually, I mean, Neil, if we're talking about 30 days in a month, it I differentiate from the optimal pitcher on FanDuel three or four times in a month. 
Okay. So we're not talking much. On DraftKings, I get a lot, a, there's a lot more swings because there's so many different ways to build your lineup depending on which shitty uh, SP2 you use. Yep. Right. Like, like there's so many different lineups between using the $8,400 guy, the $7,300 guy, and the 5K crapper. Yep. Um, so from there, I'm I'm looking at the lineups and I'm looking at the variances in the lineups. And usually I'm trying to go for uh, the lower variance lineups as like the Roto-Grinders optimizer looks at standard deviation and shows you the standard deviation of a player. Yeah, yeah. So I'll try to go printer. for, does it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is great because I think for, I think for making baseball lineups, sometimes you just have to go to the path of least resistance. Right. Okay. So you're... Is is who everybody else is playing? Is that a big factor for you? Like, if you think a player is going to be, you know, sixty percent owned in your cash games, uh, are you trying? And I guess you're playing head to heads. But if you think that your opponent is more likely to play someone in a cash game setting, are you more likely to then play that player? I'll do it in football. Okay. Um, because football, there's so many. You know, it's it's easier to win a three v three than to win you know, whatever it is, the eight by the eight V eight or the, you know, sure, sure. It, it's just easier to win those three by those three V threes. So in football, I think it has to happen a lot. Um, okay. where I will lock in a really strong, maybe the second, maybe the second most optimal player, but he's got immense ownership. Like I might lock that guy in and then optimize around him. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and then also another thing, you know, in, in, uh, GPP settings, we're always trying to stack teams uh, in GPPs. Like typically, we'll on DraftKings play a five primary five man stack on FanDuel, obviously primary four man stack. Are you concerned at all with stacking in your cash games? Never, never. Uh, if anything, when the optimizer spits out like a four man stack, this happens on DraftKings a lot. I feel like when with course field being underpriced, yep. um, I will go out of my way to like lower it to two or three man per team. Because it, it's just, there's too much crazy shit can happen. Yeah. And the difference between that four-man stack that's underpriced in cores and whatever comes out next, it's like 0.7%. It's like 0.7 of a point, you know? Right. And I'll, I'll take the principle over the, over the math in those situations. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Uh, anything else you want to say about cash games? I think, you know, a lot of the cash game work isn't building lineups a lot of it is really clicking it's you know finding finding the right games finding the right opponents knowing your rank calculating uh how much you're allocating toward cash versus your tournaments um you know bankroll management and game selection those are skills and i don't think we talk about that enough i think it's i think it's actually borderline irresponsible for us creating content and not talk more about bankroll management and game selection because, you know, great lineups uh, are going to make you money over the long run. But if you don't have bankroll management and game selection, you're not going to be around in the long run. Yeah, no, that, that's a very good point. So something that I don't really talk about much because it's not really one of my strengths, to be honest, because I just play <laughs> the largest field GPPs all the time. So like, and, and I guess that's part of my bankroll management is learning what I'm best at, which are the largest field GPPs, and just focusing on those. So in that way, I guess... Uh, it's uh, it's something that I do factor in a little bit, but you're interesting because you play so many different types of games because you figured out what you're good at, which are these these cash games. But it's also like you play you play head to heads, but then you also play three mans and five mans, and you're you know deciding what to play based on the rake and stuff like that. Uh, so you probably are a good person to, to talk about 
uh, bankroll management and, and contest selection uh, as a concept. Um, let's talk a little bit more about, so, so what, how do you decide how much you want to play in terms of like three mans and five mans on a given night versus, you know, cash games uh, versus, I guess, head to heads or GPPs? Well, for a long time, I was playing 90% cash and 10% tournaments and not really thinking about the tournaments. I was just and- like, you know, 90% of what I would play for that day. I play maybe two or 3% of my total bankroll in a day. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Sometimes during Christmas, something magical happens. Hey, Cricket customers. The Max with Ads plan is included with the Cricket $60 Unlimited plan at no additional cost. And this holiday season, Max is the one to watch when you're feeling festive. Son of a nutcracker! Cozy up to all the holiday classics, like Elf, 8-Bit Christmas, and the Harry Potter 8 Film Collection. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. Phone plans, streams, and standard definition programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See CricketWireless.com for details. Uh, or for a slate let's just say for a slate yeah um of if, that for the uh, sake of the I've definition been, can we do, can you just tell me when you uh refer to cash games what do you consider like a three man and a five man are those cash games to you or what do you yeah consider i would consider those, those cash okay. games um i'd say once you get over 20 mans and even 20 mans you can get into more tournament strategy okay where yep. you're stacking at least you're at least going 4x you know if not going four three one you know yep yep uh, that's when you start getting into the more tournament mindset of building okay. lineups. Got it. So yeah, so when I'm talking about cash, um, I used to do 90-10, where I'd do 10% tournaments, just kind of a flyer, like you know, until I didn't start taking tournaments seriously until around 2019 or 2020. Um, and now I now because I've incorporated a lot of hundred man contests, which are a lot less variants, um, I do three to one. So three to one cash to the hundred bands in tournaments. I find the hundred bands to be like, there's gold, <laughs> total gold. Oh, yeah. I've never and played them. On FanDuel, they pay really well. They pay like 25 X for first. Okay. So if you play, you know, $200 worth of these five and 10, $25 hundred bands, um, you know, you can come out with, or even I think third is 10 X. So I mean, you can finish second and third and come out with, you know, thousands of dollars in a night and you could easily do that three or four times in a month. Wow. Okay. Um, what, what percentage so, of, uh, entrants get paid out in a hundred men? 12. Oh, really? Just the top 12 get paid out at all? Top 12. Yeah. Interesting. I think I want to say DK pays out 15 or 18 and it ends up being only like 13 or 14 X for first. It's like, it's just not really worth the time to grind those out. Right. They probably could be profitable, but you have to look through the lobbies of, you know, the 25 and make sure not too many sharks. You've got to, you know, really monitor that. I think at the 25 and $10 level. Um, but the $5, you can just play them all. <laughs> it's literally right. play them all. Competition's um, just not as great there. It's pretty weak. Yeah. And the one and $2 for anyone who's listening, if you can play the one and $2 on FanDuel, like play them all. Yeah, you know, if you if you're playing the fifty five dollars slam every night, 
you can put $50 into those $1 and $2 uh, contests and what is maybe a min cash in the $55, you could 5 or 10x in the 100 mins. Yeah, speaking of, builder. speaking of contest selection, I mean, those have to be like, if you are able to play the anything under $3 on FanDuel or whatever the limits are on, on FanDuel and DraftKings, if you can play the low dollar stuff, those that's definitely where you're going to find the weakest competition. Would you, would you agree with that? Like, it's just totally the beginner agree. contest. Yeah. Totally and, and those, I think on FanDuel, like they actually label them on FanDuel. This is no experienced players, or I don't even know what the what they label it as, but uh, they label it. Maybe they, maybe they do on DraftKings. So I, don't, I think I just don't even see those contests at this point. Uh, but yeah, if you can still play the low dollar stuff, it makes all the sense in the world. I, I kind of think I, no, I did I did play this for a while. I was going to say I missed out on that, but no, when I started, I mean, the, the biggest contests on FanDuel were one and $2 when I started uh, for yeah. NBA DFS. So. I don't know. Now they're up to like four or five dollars, typically sometimes up to like 15. So we don't quite people don't have it quite as good starting now as we did 10 years ago when the contests were huge and just like a dollar or two to buy in. You can still do it. And, you know, there are a couple guys who have come up and, uh, you know, because I think when you create content, like people don't really know what they're doing. They're, they're sports, but a lot of them come from sports betting. Yep. It's like, hey, you know, I've got blah, blah, blah on FanDuel. I made some money, but I want to play some DFS. What should I play? I get that question from sports bettors a lot. And I'll tell them, go straight to the 100 bands. Don't waste your beginner time. You know, pay, play the beginner contest and play the 100 bands. Don't waste those early contests on like a head-to-head or a $4 100K that you have no chance in. Right. You know, spend it on like something where you can get back, you know, 10, 20, 25 times your money. Are the swings pretty great in those hundred bands? Because the, because only the top twelve pay out. I imagine you can go a week without winning any money back. You're you're entering this. Oh every yeah. Day. I mean, I can go. I can go three four weeks. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, the great months, I I end up you know probably top threeing everything six or eight nights in a month. Okay. I mean, those are the great months. And that makes up for the rest because more than makes up for it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Huh. Yeah. I've never even looked at the hundred man's here. It's kind of intriguing to me now that now that we're talking about it. Uh, but I mean, that does, that sounds so swingy The like, just like, yeah, you just, you don't get back any of your money so often when, you know, 88% of people aren't getting, aren't cashing those contests. So a little bit tough there, but you, you, I mean, you talk about bankroll management. If you have the bankroll for it, then you can obviously get through it just fine. And they're typically not, it sounds like the buy-in isn't especially high on those. You're talking about $5 to $25 in mm-hmm. general. The $25, you know, toward the end of the baseball season, I hope this isn't permanent. Uh, they really dried up. Really? It was, oh, every single day it was me, Sig Eric, B Writer, and someone I can't remember right now, but it was four of us. Every day we'd enter at like noon, around noon or whatever, and no one else would write, no one would fill the fucking thing up. <laughs> Do you think so, they were checking who was in it already? I don't know. Maybe people just went broke and just couldn't afford the $25 anymore. But yeah. If the so season goes on, people lose money. So were you getting some overlay then? No, they don't they don't go and they fill up. They're not GPPs. Oh gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's rough. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. If that, if that was the case, I wouldn't play because I'm not gonna play a three man right for any money against those guys. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah it's tough competition there. Yeah. Um, I had another question about that. Uh, the hundred man's, I forget what it was. I'll come back to it. Um, all right, let's, let's talk just a little bit about process. Uh, do you do any simulations or use simulations from outside sources as part of your process? I don't use simulations. I mean, I use models, uh, like the bat, uh, yep. but I'm not actually like running 10,000 simulations on my own or anything. 
Right. Uh, which that's another one of my questions is going to be, do you create your own projections from scratch? Uh, just for MLB pitching. Um, okay. MLB pitching. I attempted to do something with um, NBA last year um, to incorporate projected ownership into weighing, weighing their projection, their points projection based on their projected ownership. Yep. Um, I failed miserably. I lost like, what did I lose last NBA? I lost like fifteen thousand dollars last NBA season. It was so stupid. <laughs> so I mean, it's just like I'm just not going to play it anymore. I think a lot of people do do those kinds of models where they're factoring in projected ownership into their projections. Uh, it's not something that I have ever attempted to do. That's uh, above my above my head right now. I haven't figured out how to do that. But I think that there are a lot of pros who do it that way. So it could just be a small sample size too. Like losing fifteen thousand dollars like that's very possibly just small sample size. Maybe it would have worked long-term, but uh, you know, you, you obviously don't have to do that to be successful. So why keep pushing it if you know that you can have success without doing that? Uh, what about, so so ownership projections, are you doing your own ownership projections or also taking those? Uh, I aggregate. Okay. I aggregate projected ownership. That's something I attempted to do in baseball at first when I was doing everything at first, because I figured out pretty early that ownership was important in baseball because of splash plays like you know especially right. i mean ownership is important in all sports i'm not going to say it's not important in any sport right. but when you're talking about football and the splash plays of football and baseball um you want the low owned splash play yeah. you know it's it's just, it's a simple axiom of dfs like you want the low owned splash plays yep um so i tried to do it with baseball and it didn't work very well um but i i worked on a rating system um, I, I rated people's ownerships based on projections and how they were projected in different places. Okay. Um, and it was fairly accurate. It was directionally accurate, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the pinpoint accuracy that you get with the sites that we have now. Right. So this is a case where it's just, uh, maybe makes more sense to just pay for the sites and they'll, exactly. they'll give you the ownership rather than yeah. trying to do it yourself. Yeah. And this, that's a conversation that you had when you were on the theory of DFS with Blender. The, the what is it worth your time to do? What is it not worth yes. your time to do? And we've got so many tools available now that a lot of us and you and myself included, we don't really need to make these tools because we've got great tools available to us and we can better spend our time elsewhere than trying to do our own projections. But you actually, you do have experience. You, I think you mentioned it on this show already. You did do your own projections at one point, like your actual point projections. Yes. And what I wasn't actually doing point projections for baseball. I was doing kind of a rating system okay. where I was projecting, um, I was projecting WOBA for certain for situations based. I was adjusting it for ballpark and pitcher splits, you know, and it wasn't great, but again, it was better than me just eyeballing shit on my own. Right. Okay. Interesting. Uh, but you've gone away from that. Uh, so it sounds like ownership plays a big role for you in creating your lineups. Uh, ownership is everything with creating my tournament lineups. Yeah. I, I'm, I kind of have an advantage where I didn't seriously play tournaments until like mid 2019. Cash games are kind of die. Cash games kind of dry up a little after the all-star break in baseball. So uh, I was like, well, let me just, play some tournaments and see what happens um and i noticed very early in my cash game uh career that when when i was sharing ownership with people and they were making big plays i wasn't getting anything for them you know but it was safe you know it's the right play i made the right play make play the best plays in cash right so it was pretty easy to 
uh, apply the logic of the inverse to tournaments. Um, you know that I want the I want the lower on splash plays. Um, that's I mean in in baseball and football, which are my two major sports, you want the low on splash plays. Yep, for GPPs. Yeah, for it, GPPs, it's it's a funny. Yes. It's a funny distinction there because it just flips completely playing cash games versus GPs. Cash games, yeah. you break the tie toward whoever is going to get the most ownership in your contest or in a head-to-head, whoever your opponent is most likely to have. Whereas in GPPs, it's like the exact opposite. Like if these players project similarly, but one of them is going to be way higher owned, you want the other player because, as you say, you want those low-owned splash plays that'll cut through the field a little bit quicker than if it's yeah. somebody that 40% of the field has and you're only cutting through a, a smaller chunk of the field. Uh, let me take a minute away from this conversation with Alex Santi to tell you about our sponsor, NBA Bet Pro. Stochastic's top-ranked DFS pros have made millions of dollars in daily fantasy contests using Stochastic's NBA DFS player projections. Now users can have direct access to the same NBA player stat projections that drive our winning DFS player point projection models. With this data, users can apply advanced sports analytics to player prop bets and get an edge on the sports books. These NBA projections are directly managed by Stochastic's team of established experts, including Alex Baker, Steve Buzzard, and Sean Zahn. For a limited time, you can get a seven-day free trial of BetPro for you new users, then $15.95 per week or $55.95 per month. Use the link in the description of this video to take advantage of this great offer. Would you would you call yourself an exploitative player? No, not at all. Um, I'm I would like to I would like to learn how to exploit opponents a little bit more. Um, but my my theory on gambling is just so it, it's a bias that's just like stuck in my head of if I break even other people's mistakes will be my profit. Right. If I have a break even strategy and I'm playing well, it doesn't have to be it, it, if I'm playing you know, in an optimal semi-optimal manner, like I'm not just going out to like be the smartest guy in the room, but if I'm just making quote like sound decisions, then the mistakes of everyone else will funnel funnel over to me yeah and this is the uh, i've been told that the terminology is wrong here but this is a conversation we had earlier uh, a lot uh in past pods uh you, it's basically like you're trying to play game theory optimal essentially which you know i'm told that's that's not the right terminology but essentially you're trying to let other people make mistakes you're just trying to play your steady you know across the board mm-hmm. play the best lineup and you let other people make the mistakes which makes sense to me that sounded sort of how nerdy tenor who I, I know you're familiar with with daniel yeah. he plays what he describes as a game theory optimal and of course again i don't know I, i'm not going to uh, quibble about the terminology there but he plays in essentially just trying to play the best plays and let everybody else make mistakes so you're kind of trying to do the same thing i am i mean of course um, ownership matters and that's an exploitative strategy of you know exploiting where people are not playing a play very much but um you know we're all looking at the same fucking numbers we're all looking right. at the same projected ownership and the same points projections yep if someone if the whole field wants if 60 40 percent of a field wants to go to player a and 20 percent wants to go to player b and five percent wants to go to player c the optimal move is to go to player c when they're all things are equal right that's just that's the that's the best play. I, I think we think of play the best plays as play the highest projected ownership or high, play the highest point projection. Right, right. But we do have to combine the two. We have to combine the two columns and come up with a decision from there. And right. I mean, I'm saying that as a microcosm for our lineups in general. I mean, of course, our lineups need to have a high amount of 
Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor, because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Um, for GPPs, there's going to be a high variance high amount of variance baked into a successful lineup yeah because we're we're but we're choosing to absorb that variance this isn't variance it's just like oh well you know it's just gonna happen you're gonna lose here and there like no like it's okay to lose <laughs> like, right. i think it, we take on a mindset of it's okay to lose tonight yep. it's okay to lose this week it's okay to lose for the next three or four weeks right look um, at the long term Look at the long term. We're trying to make the best decisions that long term it's going to pay out the most. And those, Which, yeah, those those best decisions can be a low owned play, it can be a high owned play. Right. Um it's just, you know, do our lineups have a proper amount of variance and ceiling in them? Yep. Um going back to the hundred man's, I remember what my question was. I assume it's just a single entry. I just wanted to double check the the hundred man contest. You can play three, but okay. I think it's kind of stupid to play three. I don't understand. You know, three entries in a 100-man contest where you win 25x to, to first, the math doesn't work out in my head how it's EV to play three lineups. It, it just strikes me as plus EV to just plunk your one in there. Um, otherwise, you're you're putting $3 into win 25. Like, Right, but it, I guess it depends on uh, the difference in how good the lineup is for your, your best versus your, like if you have three that are all equally good and all have, you know, a better than one in a hundred chance to win or whatever would need to be uh, to actually make it plus EV. Like I would think you could make three plus EV lineups to, I mean, you theoretically you should be tripling how often you win too, if you're playing three lineups a night versus one, right? You should, Uh, I guess there are two ways to do that. One way is to make three lineups that are very similar. One is to make three lineups that are very different. Um, Another way, I guess there's a third way to do this. You could do three lineups where you choose to stack three different teams and mix those three teams up. Yeah. Um, and I think that might be a winning strategy because you could have, you know, uh, two top five teams in a night, two top five lineups in a night. So I think that's probably a way to do it. But the way most people do it is they have very similar lineups that are have like two V twos or they switch out one stack. Okay. And then two bomb and one does all right. And or they have, you know, three completely different lineups. One does all right, or one does really well, and the other two bomb. Like you really can't have, you know, it's just it's just more sensitive to getting to like having your lineups bomb. Right. Because if you're really plunking in, you know. The one lineup, it's oh well, whatever. Right. Figure it tomorrow, you know. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't thought about it, how how much you know, like the. I, and I've heard other people say the same thing, and I'm always curious about like, man, I, I have no idea how to calculate the math of like the EV of entering three versus one. I'm like in my hey, head, man. it makes. 
if someone plays three and you've got an argument for it, I'd love to hear it because it just it doesn't make sense to me. Um, right. But I can be convinced. You know, I'm, I'm an open guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. Like in my, like I'm. What I'm thinking is like you could, as long as the three all project well enough and they're not like one v ones. Like it seems like it could be plus EV, but or like the the EV wouldn't change with one versus three as long as they're all equally good lineups but uh yeah this is this is math that maybe is uh a little bit above my head so maybe maybe we can maybe somebody will respond and let us know you know if they think it's a good idea or not um but that's uh, definitely an interesting thing to think about that uh how many is the optimal to enter when you can enter three in those um i also want to ask you a little bit about so so we talk a little bit about how you set your cash game lineup or your uh your head-to-head lineup how do your head-to-head lineups differ from your three mans and five mans and do you ever enter the same lineup in both i frequently enter the same lineup okay the difference i brought this up on blenders uh, uh this is before jesse winker had a power search but jesse winker was like a you know a good good kind of 310 hitter with a high on base and no power yep and then uh he would use he was usually priced around the same as joey gallo who was a big strikeout big home run hitter um if the if the two optimals were a 1v1 Jesse Winker and Joey Gallo I'd probably plunk the Jesse Winker lineup in my head to heads and I'd probably put the Joey Gallo in my three mans and five mans it's just it's a microcosm for the bigger picture I'm not saying you know that exact scenario exists I'm saying like the way I think about three mans and five mans I will take on a little bit more risk for higher ceiling with one or two players in my lineup not for okay. the whole lineup. You know, once you get up to maybe 10 man, but definitely with 20 mans and 100 mans, you take on the higher ceiling and the higher variance and the lower ownership. You do all those things and you shove it into your lineup. Yep. Um, but in the in the cash game, so in the cash game, you're just playing the the lower variance. Generally so playing like, the optimal. Play, yeah, playing the optimal. And then you you make slight tweaks for like, so in this case, Joey Gallo, uh, he's more of a boom bust type play. So you're more likely yeah. to play the boom bust type plays in a five man versus a cash game. But otherwise, you know, it's like almost the same lineup with like a one V one or two V two with players who are uh, more boom bust in the five. When man. I switch it up and that's maybe once a week. Okay. And, but frequently it is just the exact same in uh-huh. your cash game versus your three man, five man. Yeah. And then, so then do you often find yourself in those five mans duping? Like, do you end up with the same lineup as somebody else in the competition? That's a good question. I almost never do. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah. I almost never do because of, well, because there are two variables. One is switching out, you know, swapping out once or twice a week, you know, usually like once a week. The other is that I'm not projecting pitchers the same way everyone else is. Right. I'm projecting pitchers in my own way. And because of the way salaries are, like five hundred dollars does a lot to your lineup. Yeah, baseball lineup especially, it changes the entire lineup. So if I'm playing Verlander while the whole field is playing Max, and um, because my my I took my model's suggestion, um, and I saved five hundred dollars, or maybe I spent up on five hundred dollars, you know, and I lost five hundred dollars somewhere else. Like the salary just doesn't fucking matter in baseball. Like yeah, you know, you can spit out, you can take the higher price pitcher that is maybe quote suboptimal and have a lineup that is about the same right. two points different. Yep. Um, so when I run the optimizer after locking in uh, that pitcher, it, it'll change the entire lineup. Right. Interesting. So you're, 
so you're not trying to just play the exact same lineup as everybody else in cash game, which I mean, it's never your goal, right? To play the exact same lineup. But like we talk about, like you are trying to, in general, you're more likely to break a tie towards the player who's likelier to be owned than the one who's not in cash game settings. But the way you set lineups, because you, you project pitchers differently, it's just going to change the entire lineup. So you don't end up having that problem of, oh, I'm running the optimal in a five man, which you probably don't want to do if you're, if you're using the optimal that other people are also playing, but because you play just a little bit differently with your pitchers, you don't run into that issue so much. I want the best projection. Yep. That's, I do want the best projection. I just have a different projection on pitchers than I have a unique, I'll just say it. I'll have, it's a unique projection. Yeah. You know, is it better? Is it worse? Um, maybe that's, you know, a way that I'm differentiating from the feet, but I'm not differentiating for the sake of differentiating. I believe in the way that I'm, that I'm, projecting pictures um okay. so like i'm i'm kind of i'm going on that that philosophy yep all right makes sense um yeah what so, so you don't play nba anymore you're still playing nfl is your nfl cash game process uh similar to ML, how does your nfl cash game process differ from mlb um that's one where i'm most likely to like i said uh I'll look at like a top five or top 10 optimals. And if a guy shows up in eight of the top 10, but doesn't show up in the number one, and he's projected very high in terms of ownership, I'll go that route. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go with what lineup that guy, because that guy changes up the whole lineup, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, sure. We're talking about lineups, not players, but when you switch a player out, when you swap a player out, it will change the entire lineup. The optimizer will just come up with something different. And you end up so sometimes a three v three comes turns out being organic, um, just from just from that decision. But uh, I mean, generally, I'm clicking a button and doing what it spits out. I mean, over over an eighteen week season, I'm doing what I just told you about. You know, locking in the most owned guy. I'm doing it once or twice. Okay, um, interesting. I made a lot of money. One, I mean, it's like. It was an insane amount of money when Darren Waller had the 16 catches. Yeah. Um, do you remember that? He had like 24 targets. Yeah, it was like, it was the first week of the season, I think. Yeah, he had just, yeah. And it, I would think it was the first week of the season last year where he just like, and it was like, is this what's going to happen now? Is like, is this Darren Waller's role? Are they just going to target him? And then just like completely fell off after that. Um, I, yeah, had I, think, like, I had a big sweep. It was like a 30K day because uh, everyone played Travis Kelsey. Yep. Like everyone and their mama played Travis Kelsey and uh, I made a shift in my, um, I made a shift in my three mans and I ended up doing the shift in my head to heads too, because of what Waller, Waller was doing so well price points per dollar. And I was like, God, if I could just use that $2,000 somewhere else, I feel like I'm going to make a better lineup. Like even though the, the optimizer told me not to. Yep. It's just like just logic. How are these two? How are these two projected per dollar so equally? But Travis Kelsey is the more expensive one and getting shoved in our faces. Right. And that was just that was a moment in time where I just I made a tweak and it really worked out and I paid for the rest of my season. You know. Right. So so you kind of went against your like your typical strategy of like in cash games I'm going to go with the higher own play. You decided 
that day you just felt better about the Darren Waller. It was, you, you use your instinct a little bit. Like that was a case where it was like, all right, the, the optimizer is telling me to play Kelsey and everybody else is going to play Kelsey. And usually I want to do that. But in this case, I just think you, you just thought that Darren Waller was uh, maybe a better play. It was going to make you make better lineups. You didn't really care that you were then differing from the field a little bit more than you I usually I thought it was do. a similar play and that playing him would get me an extra like $3,200. It was, it was, what was it? I think, I think Kelsey was $7,800, $2,100. Okay. It was like a $2,100 difference, which in football, like that's a lot of money. Yeah, it's big. That's a whole lot of money. So if, if you were projecting the same point per dollar, like, and it's tight end, like if I can spend that money on, you know, wide receivers and running backs, like it just felt like it. Yeah. I guess it wasn't intuitive mode, but it just felt like, it just felt like the right play and it worked out, you know? Yeah, I'm just. I could have fallen flat on my face too. Right, right. Yeah. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome, Samsung. More wow than ever. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. But then you were winning, I mean, then you're you playing triple ups, five bands, and um, which it sounds like. So that move, I mean, it, it obviously like, I feel like that your, your logic, uh, tracks for like, from what you've been saying throughout the show for the three mans and the five mans, but this was a case where, so typically you, you were trying to, you initially built with the Travis Kelsey lineup. You then yeah. made the tweak for the three mans and five mans, the way you usually do, but this is the rare case where you were like, man, I'm just, I like this lineup better and I'm going to play it in the head to head too, essentially. And I play like every five man up to every three man and five man up to a hundred dollars. Like I just played all of them. And yeah, same yeah. with the, I put played all the triple ups. I didn't play many hit head to heads that week because I was differentiating from the field, not just with Travis Kelsey, but my whole lineup. You get, we reallocate two thousand dollars, and you you get like five v fives on people. Like that's yeah. dangerous. That's really dangerous in cash. Um, you have you're either going to win everything or lose everything. Um, so I didn't play as many head to heads that week. That was where my game selection came in. Um. But yeah, I played like every three man, every five man, every triple up I could. I don't even like triple ups. I played a bunch of like the 10x boosters and, you know, like, which I literally never play, but I just yeah. decided if I'm going to take this risk, um, I need to go all the way with it and select the right games for him. Which which does come back, as you said, to your your uh, conversation about bankroll management and content or contest selection, but also uh in this case, did you play more contests because you liked the the lineup you had so much? Like in terms of bankroll management, is that something that you do where you will 
adjust how much money you play on a given slate based on how much you like the slate, like how how much edge you think you have on a slate? Uh, I played about the same amount of money. I think I okay. played like three or four percent instead of two or three percent. Okay. I don't even think I I don't think I nudge toward five percent of my bankroll on that. Okay. Well, that's still. I mean, you, you so did play a little bit more. Was, the profits were so huge because of yeah, like the, those ten x boosters. Yeah, yeah. Again, like you know, all the all the quintuple upping I was doing and triple upping I was doing. Um, I mean, NFL is just NFL is kind of kind of weird. I don't I don't adjust my bankroll rules with NFL, but I get tempted to do it probably more with NFL than anything else. Yeah. So I got to ask you, when you're playing all these cash games and stuff, do do you use Roto Tracker? I do. Yeah. Does your does your graph look different from all of the like? heavy gpp players you see like you look at mine and it's like very different very, yeah and it just yeah. spikes at peaks and valleys same as like uh, to, uh actually i blender is actually an, an example of somebody who's a little bit flatter than most gpp players because he also plays the cash games are you just is yours like a straight line just like just going for like yeah it's you know, a horizontal slight vertical kind of thing it's like a parkinson's hand you know it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. shaky it's shaky it's shaky and it goes up and up and up and up and up yeah you know it's kind of nice, right? You can, I mean, that makes you feel more comfortable to do it like full time, like you do, where you are just like, this is a big part of my income. That's, it's uh, a lot. You don't feel as good about it when you're a GPP player and you're, you go months without winning anything. Whereas you play in these types of contests. I mean, do you, do you feel like you're a little bit more like mentally healthy because you are playing this type of contest as opposed to playing the, you know, the peaks and valleys of a GPP? Um, well, I've been playing poker on and off professionally and recreationally since 2004. So I can take swings. Okay. Uh, mentally, I, you know, I'm pretty good at taking swings. As for, you know, playing the way that I do, you know, it's funny. I did just mention how it's shaky and it goes up, 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 but the last halves of seasons, I get dips. Okay. Um, because cash games tend to dry out with fish. So it yep. gets to be a, a lot better players. And that's when I go more. To, I will shift a little i'll pivot more toward tournaments yeah like 25 percent of what i play that day is a tournament instead of 10 percent of that day um and when we're talking about nba like i'm just i just suck at nba gpps i just don't know how to play them and then uh nfl the contests are so huge like i could be doing everything right and i could lose five years in a row with oh, yeah. nfl like you know yep. it's you've got 18 big slates you know it, it's just it's nothing 18 times five is what 90. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, 90 slates, that's three months of baseball. So that comes back to, I mean, you, you mentioned another kind of bankroll management slash contest selection. They, they kind of go hand in hand in a lot of ways. They do. Bankroll yeah. management contest selection is dropping out of those head to heads as the season goes along, which I've heard elsewhere that it's just like, early season NFL, you got to play cash games, which I, I never, I've never taken the advice, but I've been given the advice many times early season NFL, you got to jam cash games because there's so many fish early season and they dry up later on in the year. And that, I that's, told you that. I think I told you the same thing yeah, yeah. with NBA. I think our, our messages. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you did tell me that. I forgot that we had that conversation in DM, uh, but you're not the only person. Like I've heard that from multiple people. So is that uh, a P one piece of advice that you would give in terms of bankroll management slash uh, contest selection is jam cash early in the season and, and fade away maybe later on. Yeah. I should have, I should have started doing that probably in 2017 ish, uh, but I didn't start doing it until 2019. Um, mostly because I didn't really understand the tournament, my, like the general game theory of tournaments. Yep. Um, and I, it, a light bulb didn't go off in 
2019, I just had some success. Um, but 2020, we had the COVID year, and that was that was weird in baseball. You just play everything, you know. So that was a case where we didn't have an All Star break. We just kind of played everything for two months. Right. And uh, but yeah, once 2021 came around again, I, I almost did it where I played everything for six months. But I learned really fast. I had two horrible weeks after the All Star break, and I was like, okay. This is this is how we're doing it again. I'm just gonna drop out. Yep. Um, since you brought up, do you think we don't talk enough about bankroll management, contest selection? Uh, do you have any additional tips that you want to give in terms of, or just advice for bankroll management and or contest selection? I think number one is to have a strategy. Okay. Any strategy, you know, and nothing stupid like I'm gonna play twenty percent every night, you know, but some just have some rules we live in a society here <laughs> have some sort of a rule as to how much you're going to play in a night i mean i think 10 percent is way too loose and way too gambly but i think a lot of people do it and yeah. i think a lot of people do 10 15 20 percent and then they just redeposit a week or two later when they get paid um, i think there's a lot of that that goes on that we yeah. don't talk about um, so i think we need to educate people on having more of like a 5% rule, right? Like, I mean, um, Johnny Bax was one of the best poker players in the 2000s for a while. And he came from a stockbroker, um, stocks, uh, I don't know. He came from working stocks. Like, I don't really understand the market very much. But um, he said something like, your portfolio should never have more than 5%. He said no, no more than 5% of a contest. Um, in your portfolio like just that's you're just devoted to one contest and uh that stuck in my head and i was like that seems pretty loose to me like as i was 5%. playing poker i was like yeah five percent is because i mean you lose 20 in a row or you lose 40 out of 50 you know and that's right. that just happens in life. yeah and i think we need to talk more about how often we lose uh, not so much how much we win like look at our rotor grinders pages and see how much we win Right. We can, we can talk about how much we lose if we really want to edu educate people and have people take care of themselves because we need, even if they're bad players, if they're, well, especially if they're bad players, we need them around. But if you're an average player, like we need the volume for the ecosystem to exist. True. Um, yeah. So we need to keep, we need to keep these, the average player, we need to keep anyone who decides to subscribe to our sites, um, people who are paying the bills, putting the lights on and everything. Uh, we need them to knock a broke. Yep. I don't think we, I don't think we think of it that way. Right. That like, we need you to play solid bankroll to manage a bankroll. Well, mm -hmm. to stick around. And then game selection. I mean, you talked about it great. Like there's some things you don't do that. And maybe you feel like you you're missing out, but at the same time, you know, Neil, let's see you playing the games that you're best at and you thrive. And that's what matters. You right. know, knowing what you're best at is again, like we got to have some rules here. You know, yeah. one rule is what am I best at? And then, kind of the rule is play what you're best at even if that's just your only rule in terms of game selection like the, just having that rule keeps yeah. you from just trying to play everything right although it does take it can take some time to learn what you're best at right so like sure. people who are new like you get your ass handed to you in gpp it's like yeah we all get our ass handed or most of us get our ass handed to us in gpps early so there's a little bit but then would you just say like play less of your bankroll while you're learning essentially totally Totally, because the the number one's not going to win a hundred thousand dollars out of nowhere. Um, it's going to take some skill and some experience to get there for a lot of people, for most yeah. people. 
you know. Um, so that three dollars that you're trying to win a hundred thousand dollars with, allocate it somewhere else, you know, anywhere else that can make you some more money. Now, look, if you've got a hundred dollars to play in a night and you're only playing tournaments and you want to plunk in the three to four dollar for a lotto, lotto ticket, fine, but be honest with yourself that this is a lotto ticket, yeah, you know, that it's gonna be very hard to win when honestly it's, it's going to be impossible to win those on a single entry um that another thing we should probably be doing in terms of game selection and how we talk to people in our content is we shouldn't be talking about these contests as four dollar contests we should be talking about them as six hundred dollar contests if you're because, maxing it out yeah 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 because it's going to take it's going to take 100 entries if not 150 to really have a shot at this tournament in the long term and be pro- being profitable you think that so so you think that if you play if you're in a contest where it is a 150 max do you think that it is a negative ev decision to not play the max in the in the contest or or even like a 20 max like if you enter a 20 max do you think it's a negative ev decision to play five entries in a 20 max i think five in a 20 max is probably okay i mean someone else would probably have the better math on that than i do but just like working in my head and from what i know in terms of like poker and i'm thinking of like rebuy tournaments right like in a $10 rebuy that has 10,000 people in it, it isn't a terrible idea to just go fucking nuts in the rebuy hour, you know? And yeah. like maybe you end up spending $200, but the top prize is going to be like $20,000, right? That makes sense. Yeah. But in the $20 rebuy where you maybe only have 400 people in it, it doesn't make sense to spend more than three or four entries. So with the, when there's a 20 max, um, Maybe five is okay. You know, maybe five is okay. I, I don't know. Someone else probably has a better math on that. But but on the before that 150 max, like you gotta come heavier, stay home. Interesting. So I, I have always taken and I've had this conversation many times and I have no idea. Like the, the math is is tough for me. Uh because to me it's like, well, the number of entries in the contest doesn't change based on how many lineups i enter so like sometimes i will i'll play five in though in a 150 max contest and i i always have um and i'm not like I, i've heard people say like what you're saying right now that that is negative ev and i'm like i feel like there's pros and cons uh, but it's it's an interesting conversation that uh i think people need to continue to have like should mm-hmm. i be like is it just a bad idea to play like obviously there's a difference between like i'm just going to play my cash game lineup in the big gpp because you know, even if it's negative EV, I just don't want to have that regret if it does go off. That's different than like, you know, I'm playing five lineups tonight and I'm going to play them or I'm, I'm playing, you know, uh, 75 bucks tonight and I'm going to play it in the uh, $15 as opposed to playing it in a $5 or something like it's a, it's an interesting conversation that I, I'm not totally sold on it being negative EV, but I have heard, uh, I mean, I've heard you say it, I've heard other people say it as well, that it, uh, give, give the advice of not playing the 150 unless you can max it out. So, um, I think the size of the contest matters. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Jump on. Yeah. No, go I ahead. There's a difference between a 5,000 man 20 max and a 1,000 man 20 max. Yep. So, like, the FanDuel Slam is routinely like 1,000 to 1,100 people. And I think it's a 20 max, right? 
Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, an infant formula company on a mission to get a lot closer to the most super superfood on the planet, breast milk. Our patented protein blend has more of the important and most abundant proteins actually found in breast milk. We're the first and only U.S.-made formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. We even conducted the largest clinical trial by a new infant formula company in a quarter century, with clinically proven benefits like easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus a leading infant formula. And we make our own formula in the USA and our very own factories in Iowa, Oregon, and Pennsylvania. Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I don't play that one. But I mean, you could put three or five in there and be totally fine because it's only a thousand entries in the, in the whole cut together. But when you're talking about the 20 maxes that are like uh, the $4 or something on DK, I don't know how like many is in it. 27,000 or something people in it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's silly. <laughs> five is just silly uh, because you're competing with, you know, 19,995 contests or entries, you know, it's right. That's, right. It's very difficult. So it's not that it's negative V necessarily. It's just that it's going to take you so long to actually see a return. That you it could be worth positive. It yeah, it, it could be positive EV, but it can't be optimal. It just, it just, I, yeah. Again, I'm. I don't want to just get into like narrative here, but or just use rhetoric here because I don't know the numbers. But it just doesn't right. sound right. Okay. Yeah. So I, I get it. If, if the argument is, uh, don't do it because it's going to take you too long to see, like most people are going to take so long to see the return that it's just not going to be, you know, uh, good for your, for your mental health or for like, just like if you're trying to make a living at this, it doesn't make sense to do it. But from an EV standpoint, I think it's like there from an EV standpoint, I think it's an open question whether it can be plus EV to play fewer than the max, but, uh, we won't end that conversation today. I think that's a conversation that that's has it. been ongoing for a long time. That we will I, accept I find non-closure, as I tell my students. What's that? We'll accept we will non-closure. Accept, yeah, accept non-closure. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's, that's good. It's a good phrase. Yeah. Um, all right, we we did get a listener question from Evan. Uh, he said, "I see a few Excel optimizer products out there now. Many of these are very granular. Do you guys think this can help someone create plus EV lineups, or are we wasting our money?" Thanks. So this is a, a question for both of us. Um, I don't have a really strong answer. I, I don't know what uh, 
products you're referring to here, I would say uh, I'd give the same advice that I give for like uh, listening to content, like listen to people who win. And if it's people that you are not really familiar with in DFS who are selling Excel optimizer products, I probably would, I probably would not bother. Um, I'm sure that there, there could be some that uh, great DFS minds are putting out there, but um, do, do you have a, do you have an answer to this question, Alex? Well, the question is, can they? Right. Um, and the answer is yes, they can. Um, the next question that raises though is, can we find these cheaper Excel models for a hundred dollars or whatever that do better than uh, Cardi's for four hundred or Stochastics for whatever a hundred dollars a month or something like that? Right. Fantasy Crunch, you know, plus Fantasy Cruncher. And I think the answer to that is no. Um, that. Sometimes pricing, pricing doesn't always, pricing isn't always an accurate value on a good or service, but sometimes it is. Right. <laughs> and I think in terms of models, um, you know, the pricing, there isn't just great pricing, but there's a lot of volume and people using them mm -hmm. and people attesting to stochastic and attesting to uh, roto grinders and the bat. And uh, I would just stick is don't want to waste the money because it's not just wasting the hundred dollars on the Excel model to save some money. There's losing a bunch of money to figure out that it's bad. Right. That, like that's how part much of money like... do you have to lose to figure out that it's just a piece of shit. Right. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of what I was thinking too. It's like, we don't know for sure if they're bad, maybe they're good, but uh, it's going to take you some time to figure that out. And as you say, yeah. you're losing money that whole time. So uh, probably not something that I would typically recommend, but of course I don't know the specifics of what you're talking about. And Alex and I are both biased as we both work for, I work for Stochastic, Alex does content for Rotogrinder. So we might be a little bit biased here too, but in general, I'd say it's worth it to pay for the better products uh, rather than trying to figure out if what somebody's selling is any good. But again, don't know what they're talking about specifically. And we're talking about products that are underpriced. Yeah. As they are too. The bad Rotogrinders, Stochastic, like these are underpriced products. Price for, price to sell. Price for the average person to be able to afford it and become a profitable player. Yeah. I mean, you know that I agree with you there. That was, it was, uh, I've said it before. The first thing I did when I had the money to buy a stochastic subscription was I bought a stochastic subscription. Literally that it was the first time I won six figures. I bought a stochastic subscription. Uh, and the, the bat I think is a, a similar product. Like it's a, you know, projections and, and a lot of the same stuff. Um, and mm -hmm. yeah, I just think paying for the premium of like people that you trust. I think, I think you just got to buy a product that you trust. I would not buy, you know, I, I wouldn't buy lineups period, but like lineups or like tools from somebody who I haven't seen have a track record of success in general, mm -hmm. just because there's upfront money. And then as, as you said, the, uh, the cost for entering contests and testing the product, I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah, no, totally agree. I totally agree there. All right, Alex, uh, we are going to close up. Uh, and I, I always like to ask the question, tell me about your favorite win or win celebration. So <laughs> I forgot you're going to ask this question. Um, <laughs> August 11th or August 12th, 2020, uh, we had just bought our house. Um, and we bought our house in March of 2020 and then the lockdown happened. We had big rehab on the house that went till like June. So we didn't actually move in until late June. So we'd been in the house about five weeks. And I don't know, do you know what derecho is? Derecho, to the right. 
derecho is no it is uh like it's like a mini tornado um okay, no, chicago. I'm, not, I'm not familiar interesting uh, tornadoes never hit chicago because we're so close to lake michigan uh but yeah. for some reason this derecho hit like my house and my basement flooded Ooh. um it was horrible um i i just spent a bunch of money on like permaseal to like seal up our house but the it just poured in through the back door it wasn't like a bad seal issue um our we had lost power i had uh two kids and a third on the way it was hot as fuck because it was august and we had no power and i was just like sitting in my office late at night we had no lights on and i had some battery juice in my laptop um i decided to uh fire up and see what was going to happen the next day on DraftKings. you know like i'll set up some contests put in a dummy lineup and just like let it rip yeah um mike fires was pitching against the angels and i love playing against mike fires because he's a fly ball pitcher and angel stadium is a good hit home run park yeah so i jacked up them and uh, the phillies against someone i didn't really remember I did a five three stack um i don't even remember who the pitchers were because the net our power was still out my battery died out and the power came back at like 6 30 p.m no 5 30 p.m uh some people on our block were like jumping around like the power's back on the power's back on <laughs> nice. you know and then like we had to figure out what to do for dinner the basement was still like damp and nasty and i could plug in a dehumidifier anyway long story short i couldn't edit the light up i had too much shit going on I, and yeah. i put it in like i don't know eight, $800 worth of contest or something like I was like whatever man that's 800 bucks down the drain um so I watched some baseball that night I put on that A's Angels game and the Angels beat the shit out of the A's nice and I think it was like a 50k night for me because it was like 30 on DK and 20 on FanDuel wow um, and it was just for like 800 bucks that I put in that night yeah. that's fun yeah and and it sounded like it was needed at that time I needed it. I needed something good to happen because my basement was damp for a while. <laughs> and then you just go right away and reinvest some of it in like some new carpeting or something. Yeah. Oh, but this is the, this is kind of the kicker. I told you, I just started playing tournaments in 2019, just the yeah. last half of the season, just for something to do. And so it was kind of early in my quote tournament career that I had a huge day like that. So it was huge. It yeah, gave yeah. Some, some vindication. Right. I can, I can do this. I can play these tournaments. Yeah. That's really fun. Um, all right, Alex. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, where, where can people find you? I'm a Roto Grinders. Um, I will be writing multiple times a week, maybe every day. Um, we'll see how my schedule works out, but um, I would like to do every day. Um, I write once or twice a week at Fangraphs, and uh, I'm on Twitter at Alex Santi. All right, perfect. Well, thanks again to Alex Santi for joining me for High Stakes episode 33. Thank you for, to Mike Lawrence for producing, as always. Again, you can find Alex on Twitter at Alexante, Mike at Alexante, uh, Mike at Awesome Yo. Thank you for watching. You can find episode 34 in two weeks uh, on Friday afternoon on the Stochastic YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for watching. Thank you, Neil.
Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.